2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will not. They were walking along and talking together. Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. And he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. This is God's word. Dear friends of Jesus, heaven is for real. At least that's what the book says. Have you heard about the book, or later the movie, with that title? Heaven is for real? Since it was written in 2010, it sold over 11 million copies. The book Heaven is for Real tells the story of a, a little four-year-old boy named Colton Burpo who had a near-death experience. When he recovered from whatever it was that he was sick with, he told his, his fat father, who was a pastor, that he had seen Jesus in heaven along with a number of relatives that he never had the chance to, to meet on earth. His father wrote a book about it. Heaven is for Real. And the point of it is pretty clear. You, you can know that heaven is for real because Colton saw it. Now there's conclusive proof for any of the doubters. Right? Heaven is for real. Where is it? See, there was another boy who had a similar experience. His name was Alex. Alex also had a book written about his near-death experience. It's called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. Sold over a, a million copies too. His story is similar to the Colton story. When he was six years old, he had a near-death experience. And when he recovered, he told his parents about how he'd seen Jesus in heaven. And he wrote a book about it. Except years later, Alex admitted that his father had made up the whole story. None of it was true at all. So you can imagine what critics said. They said, well, I guess heaven isn't for real after all. Right? Colton still stands by his story. He, he saw it. Alex says he made up his whole story. Who are you supposed to believe? 
How can you be sure? Maybe we just can't be sure at all. Truth is, there's been so many books written about near-death trips to heaven lately that people talk about a new genre of literature. It's called heavenly tourism. You heard about that? Heavenly tourism. And Christians are buying up these books by the, the millions. I think that teaches us something. It teaches us that we all want it to be true. Don't we? We want to believe that what we see with our eyes isn't all that there is. We want to believe that we have a bigger purpose for our lives than just what we, we see happening right now. We, we want to have some strength when we face sufferings in life. We want to be able to face death with hope. We want to know that even death itself isn't the end. We want to be completely, absolutely sure that heaven is for real. Brothers and sisters Christ, today, God tells you for sure that heaven is for real. Because your faith isn't based on a child's story. It's not based on some blockbuster movie. It's based on the Word of God. And our God doesn't lie. And today God wants to use the story of Elijah to prove to us conclusively that heaven really is real. I bet you've heard the name Elijah. In our sermons the next six weeks, we're going to hear about the life of the prophet Elijah and kind of in a backwards way, we're going to start with the end, with his last day. God wants to use Elijah's last day on earth to prove to you and me that, that heaven is for real. Often when you hear a story about someone's last day, it starts something like, well, it was a day just like any other day. It was not like that for Elijah. From the very beginning, somehow God had told Elijah and his fellow prophet Elisha God had told both of them that this was going to be Elijah's last day on earth. And it seems like God had given Elijah a job to do on his last day on earth. He needed to visit all the companies of the prophets. And now we don't talk about companies of the prophets today. I think today we would call it a seminary, a place where pastors are trained. These companies of the prophets, they were like the prophets in training. And Elijah, as God's great prophet, was certainly one of the ones who was training them. And his last day, he was going to visit the companies of the prophets. And so they went from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan. And at each stop, Elijah said to Elisha, Elisha, you don't have to keep following me. Today's my last day. And Elisha kept repeating, no, I'm going to follow you to the end. At each stop, these companies of the prophets came to Elisha and said, Elisha, do you know that your match is going to be taken from you today? And at each stop, Elisha said, yes, I know. Be quiet. It was an unusual event. That was just a start. When they came to the Jordan River, that, that one river on the east side of Israel, Elijah took off his famous prophet's cloak. Elijah was famous for his cloak. It was made out of camel's hair, just like John the Baptist. Later on, he took his famous prophet's cloak, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it, and the water of the Jordan River parted in two. Makes you think of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, or Joshua leading the Israelites across that same Jordan River. They crossed the river on dry land. But even that wasn't anything yet. As they're walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared, and Elijah went to heaven in a whirlwind. It was Elijah's last day on earth. But Elijah didn't die. Elijah went straight to heaven in a whirlwind. Can you imagine that? Why would God do this? 
Why would God take Elijah straight to heaven in a whirlwind? When you first think about it, maybe you think, well, that would be a pretty nice reward for Elijah after his service as God's prophet. As we're going to hear in these coming weeks, Elijah faced a lot of difficulty and opposition and persecution. Maybe God wanted this to be Elijah's reward at the end of his life, taken straight to heaven. But if you think about it, for Elijah, it really didn't make much of a difference. If Elijah had just died that day, like everybody else does, where would he have gone? To heaven. And so if that was the day God had decided that Elijah's life was going to end, it really didn't matter to Elijah whether he died or was taken to heaven in the world. When he was going to end up in heaven either way, it was going to be great. So I wonder if God took Elijah to heaven in the world and for Elisha and for you and for me to prove to us that heaven is for real. God doesn't just give us a, a near-death experience. He gives us a no-death experience. If Elijah didn't go to heaven, where'd he go? God wants a story to prove to us that heaven is for real. In the past couple of years, as, as I hear Christians talk, I've, I've heard Christians more and more say something like, we Christians have had it wrong. We Christians spend too much time talking about heaven and eternal life. What we need to do is refocus our message onto this earth. We need to talk to people about life in the here and now. We've been talking too much about heaven. I thought about that. I wondered if maybe, maybe we've had it wrong. There's just one problem with that line of thinking. The Bible. And when you read God's Word from beginning to end, God's promise of eternal life in heaven is one of God's greatest promises that He holds out to us. You cannot understand your life on earth right now unless you understand that there's life waiting for you in heaven. You cannot understand your purpose in life right now unless you understand that there's eternal life waiting for you in heaven. You can't understand why God would allow suffering and pain in your life right now unless you understand the glory that's waiting for you in heaven. You can't face death with hope unless you understand the, the eternal life that's waiting for you in heaven. God wants you and I to be absolutely sure to, to fix our eyes on what's coming in the future. Heaven is for real. So why do you think it is that Christians are buying up millions of copies of books about people who supposedly go to heaven? I think it's because the devil, Satan, the devil, he's constantly filling us with skepticism. The devil's goal is always to make us doubt what God's Word says. The devil's always getting us to want more proof. I'll believe it when I see it, right? It's kind of ironic today that, that we'll believe a, a four-year-old story, but we won't believe what the Word of God says. I shared with some of you in a Bible class recently a, a, a bad example of I'll believe it when I see it. A kind Christian man once came up to me and he said, Pastor, I want to show you my most prized possession. I thought, this is going to be pretty interesting. What's he going to show? And he pulled out an old black and white photograph. And he said, Pastor, this is my most prized possession. I'd like to tell you that it was a photograph of his wife. But it wasn't a photograph of his life. It was a grainy black and white photo of I don't know what it was. 
And so innocently I said to him, what is it? And he looked at me kind of like I was crazy. He looks at me and he looks at the picture. Pastor, this is Mount Ararat. And that one little dark spot right there, that's Noah's Ark. This picture proves it. This picture proves that the Bible is true. This picture is my most prized possession in the whole world. Heart's sake. To be honest, in this grainy picture, that little black spot, it could have been a hockey puck. Or a gorilla. Or a million other things. And here this Christian man was telling me that his faith was based on a grainy photograph instead of being based on the Word of God. You see the problem with that? If you watch the movie, Heaven is for Real, at the end of the movie, Colton's father was a pastor and he preaches a sermon to his church. And in the closing sermon at the end of the movie, Colton's father says something like this. He says, it really hurts me to admit it, but I have to be honest with you, I didn't believe it. Even as your pastor, I sit up here and I preach sermon after sermon and I talked about heaven, but to be honest, I, I never believed that it was really true. But all that's changed now. Now that Colton saw it, I can tell you for sure, I believe it, and heaven is for him. I don't think it was the point the pastor was trying to get across, but, but what was he implying when he said that? If God's word says it in the Bible, we can't be sure. But if Colton sees it, then it's got to be true. Friends, watch out. The Bible tells us that we're saved by faith in Jesus. And the Bible tells us where faith in Jesus comes from. Where does faith in Jesus come from? The verse that all of us can know. It's a verse that says faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the message. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Faith in Jesus comes from hearing God's word. It doesn't come from the dreams that we have. It doesn't come from the life experiences that we have. It doesn't come from a story that someone else tells us. Faith comes from God's word. You know, the devil is actually just fine with you believing that heaven is for real. Just as long as you don't believe in Jesus and his word. Because if you believe that heaven is real, but you don't believe in Jesus and his word, then the devil knows that you're never going to get to see heaven after all. God wants you to. God wants you to see heaven. He wants you to be there. And that's where throughout the Bible, God has built in this proof, this proof for us to know heaven is for real, like taking Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind. Then when you fast forward 800 years after Elijah, you get to Transfiguration Day. Jesus was just about to head to Jerusalem to die on the cross, but before he faced his death on the cross, and before his disciples watched their friend go through the worst sufferings the world has ever seen, Jesus wanted to show them his glory. He wanted them to get a taste of what was going to come at the end. So he took Peter, James, and John up at that mountain and he was transfigured before them, and it was like Jesus was telling them, the days are going to be dark. The days are going to be hard. But don't forget what comes at the end. It's going to be worth it. So when Jesus appeared on Transfiguration Sunday, there were two people who came back from heaven and appeared there with him. Remember who it was? It was our guy Elijah. There he was. If you think about this, it makes perfect sense that Jesus is going to bring somebody back from heaven. It makes perfect sense that he would bring back the man who went straight to heaven without dying, right? Here's Elijah. 
He went to heaven. There he was in all of his glory. But there was somebody else with Jesus and Elijah too. Remember who it was? Moses. This is really interesting. Do you know what happened at the end of Moses' life? He died. He died. And this is really interesting because you have a man who went straight to heaven in a whirlwind and you have another man who died just like everybody else and yet on Transfiguration Day what's different between the two of them? Nothing. They're exactly the same. If you think about this, what a, a wonderful testimony to God's promises to us. If, if you were to go to heaven in a whirlwind or if you were to die you were to end up in exactly the same place. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that give us comfort and peace? Heaven is, is for real. Whether God takes you to heaven miraculously, whether you have to suffer and die like most of us will, heaven is for real and by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus, you're going to be there. But just knowing that and believing that, it still doesn't make it easy to say goodbye. So I tell you the story, I think it's really interesting to look at the prophet Elisha, the younger one who got to continue serving. Just think through what Elisha goes through in the story. As they bounce around from place to place, these companies of the prophets go up to Elisha and they say, do you know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And you'd expect Elisha to say, yeah, he's going to heaven, it's cool. But what did Elisha say? Be quiet. I bet some of you feel that way whenever someone brings up the, the concept of death for you or someone else. Even as believers in, in Jesus, even as believers in God's promise of eternal life, it doesn't make hearing about death for us or our loved ones easy. The prophets came up to Elijah and he said, don't speak of it. Just be quiet. And that actually happened. Elisha got to see this chariot of fire and these horses of fire and this whirlwind and there goes Elijah. And you'd expect that the end Elisha to say, wow, hallelujah. That's awesome. But the other story, what did Elisha do? He tore his robe. Because it was sad. Even if you were to see your own loved ones directly taken right to heaven in a whirlwind, do you know how you would feel? It feels sad. Because it's always hard to say goodbye. This is where the rubber meets, meets the road. This is where we need God's promises to get us through. I heard a story about a Christian father who, who lost a, a child to a sickness. And at the funeral for that little child, a friend came up to this father and asked him how he was coping with his loss. And the father, with, with tears in his eyes, he, he, he still smiled and he said, one made it whole. One made it whole. He said, that's how I'm making through this. Because one made it whole. I know you don't like to hear it, I don't like to say it, but every one of us is going to face death soon in our lives. For someone we love, for ourselves. I hope you realize the only thing that you can get you through the only thing that can continue to give you hope in your heart is this promise of eternal life. Jesus is the resurrection of life. 
Whoever believes in him will live even though they die. One made a home. How does real? Some verses in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul said this. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. I'm going to say those same words again, because I need to hear them. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And this man, Alex, was admitting that his father had made up the whole story about his trip to heaven. He ended his interview by giving some advice. He said, people should just read the Bible. That's enough. It's not good advice. So we have to enter the season of Lent. We watch Jesus go to the cross for us. We hear about the prophet Elijah and the struggles and opposition that he faced. As you think about the crosses that you face in your own lives, remember the chariots of fight. Remember the dazzling white robes. Remember Elijah and Moses and Jesus. Remember that what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Heaven is for real, and it's for you. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, every single one of us in our lives face death. For some of us, it's the death of people whom we love. For some of us, it's our own deaths, which we know are coming. Dear Lord, death fills us with sadness and fear. And yet in your Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you fill it with promises of what awaits us after death, promises of eternal life. You proved that when you took Elijah to heaven. If you didn't go to heaven, where did you go? You took him to be with you. Jesus, as we watch you suffer and die and rise for us, we face our own crosses. Fill us with this confidence. What we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because of the truth of your word, convince us that heaven is for real. In your name we pray. Amen.